0: Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Coon. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy bake oven.
1: Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. How about it? A Thursday. We have a lot to get to. We have a lot to get to today. Connor Dunning. It's June 8, twenty three. Welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. I am Gabe Coon, your host on Twitter at g underscore coon seventy one. I'm alongside the executive producer of the show. That'd be Connor Dunning on Twitter at c dunning ninety nine. Connor, what's what's the word, brother? Nothing much, man. You good? I'm good. You hanging in there. You brave the weather? Brave the, the weather, can, yeah, yeah. We had we had a little weather earlier. It was nice <laughs> and rainy over here, and, and uh, the Canadian wildfire smoke. Oh yeah, it has. It is hazy out there a little bit. I uh, see. I haven't noticed it here. Really? I, uh, not really. I definitely have. My my dad was talking to me. He said he was out in Denver, and he about needed a mask to breathe through it. The state of New York's getting smacked down. It looks by like Dune. Yeah. It, I mean, it going outside, air quality. Yeah, you don't want any of that. You don't want any of that. But we have three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Um, I'm going to open a little different. We're going to talk about Ja and what what was said by Adam Silver on the Dan Patrick Show. Um, We'll do that at about 4.30. And what I want to do is just go through the whole thing. You know, it's very useful information, every bit of it. Um, So we'll play it, we'll pause it, we'll talk about it, and and we'll keep working through that. Um, also, NBA Finals, of course, the Nuggets get over top, Likely, like we predicted. Stinks always being right, but I I have to say, um, the Heat, I feel like we're uh, the clock's about to strike midnight. You at some point you need guys, you just need guys, and I don't think they have that right this second. Um, as far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins from the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphian at five o'clock, and then six o'clock, one of my Really good friends from my days back in St. Louis, but he is—he's uh, very involved in the media now. He's a producer for the uh, Gilbert Arena show, and you know I, I want to talk to him about this in uh, Gilbert and how he has talked about job through this process because I think he's done a really good job, Gilbert Gilbert Arenas, more than a lot of na- national media members. He has really broken it down, and it has to do with his past transgressions. But Trevor Trout will join. At 6 o'clock, former USC defensive lineman, again, part of the Gilbert Arena show, but he's been all over the place. He's a young guy, uh, 23 years old, but at the same time, he was a talent evaluator at Clutch for the football side, and now, of course, with the Gilbert Arena show. That will be at 6 o'clock. We'll hop into the Blitz around 6.30. DeAndre Williams' case starting to feel a little more positive to you, Connor? Yes. A little bit? Yes. Um, But Parthupad-Yai put out today Don Jackson the Esquire, the lawyer that is dealing with DeAndre Williams' extra year of eligibility, um, he talked to him and he said, we have documented proof of misadvisement in the form of emails and text messages. I feel like the positivity of getting DeAndre Williams back on campus next year should, should be at a relative high. Also, uh, Titans, reaching out to DeAndre Hopkins, eh. I, I, I'm probably showing my hand there, but we'll talk about that in the Blitz, and also Dalvin Cook, Finally released by the Vikings after this offseason where he he has shown several times he's not very happy with the way things are going. And then, of course, how could I forget Big 12 doing due diligence and coming to the University of Memphis? Doing due diligence. Brett Yormark was on campus. I feel good about it. Now, I know that uh, PTSD is something serious with this fan base. Being left on the altar several times before. You feel like it could happen again, but this this feels like it's real. Big 12 officials and Brett Yormark met with the Board of Regents, uh, Laird Veach, and it looks like the wheels are turning a little bit. We'll talk about that around 530. Now, uh, we did bring this up briefly yesterday because it was breaking news, but Chris Haynes reported that Chris Paul was going to be released by the Suns. And then we later figure out the reporting on that was a little bit faulty. The Suns are going to explore trades. They're going to see what they can. They're going to do their due diligence to see what's out there for them on the trade market. And then if it doesn't work out, I think uh, if nothing comes to fruition, he'll likely be waived. And the Suns want to get that done because they'll only owe $15.8 million of the $30.8 million if he's waived before June 28th. Now, the Suns even if they do waive him, are thinking about keeping him on the roster, but they want to pay him less. And, and I, I don't blame them, even in the slightest, for that thought process. He's 38. He's always hurt when it matters. Uh, that groin just always fails him when, when he really needs it the most. Um, now, CP3's team uh, wants to know his fate soon, but I, I don't know how quickly that's going to figure itself out and, and what he's going to sign for. Elsewhere, if he does get waived, I have to ask you this, Connor, because I've seen it from Chris Mannix. I heard it earlier with with Jason and John when they were talking to Matt Moore of the Action Network. Why the CP3 Grizzlies talk? It makes no sense to me. It it doesn't make really much sense for the Grizzlies
2: or Chris Paul. That's why I'm not really sure why the discussion is there. I'm going to be completely honest. I think the only reason people are talking about it is because there's a jaw suspension looming.
1: Right, but at the same time, you, that'd be a hell of a overpriced second option. Agreed. And I, I just, I, I, and you can't really play those two guys on the floor at the same time. Definitely not. So I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But you see people saying that they should be aggressive and see what CP3's market is. You have Tyus as a backup, and you, you may use him in, in trade talks and try to go put a package together with Tyus on there. I, I, CP3 just – all these people talking about it being a good fit, I don't see that. Again, it's only a good fit because people are expecting John Morant
2: to be suspended for a po- portion of the season. And we've right. talked about this a few times over the last few weeks. You do not change your long-term plans for a short-term option because this is going on. This is a speed bump that they are going to get past. It, is, it just doesn't make much sense for me because you're going to have to use money on Chris Paul – that you would potentially use on the wing piece that right. all of us have agreed on that the Grizzlies right. actually need. Yeah, the beginning of the season without Ja might be rocky. It also might not be. This team's extremely talented outside of Ja Morant. Put it, put it, is put the someone thought there, there, they might there too, be able to get maybe,
1: by. Is, is the thought there, too, maybe that he's a vet and he could provide some sort of much-needed uh I guess so. M- maturity?
2: I just, I'm. At this point, Leadership. I, I just don't think adding Chris Paul, who is injury-prone, who is going to take games off, he's not going to want to be a backup whenever Ja comes back, he's going to be pricey. He just, it just it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for, for either side. I think Chris Paul is a tremendous player. He's one of the best point guards of all time. Of course, it would be great to have somebody like Chris Paul on your team. But when you take into consideration everything that would actually have to happen for him to be on your team, it just doesn't make much sense for the Grizzlies moving forward.
1: Chris Paul to Memphis? Chris Paul wanting to come? No. Well, this is another thing. Very,
2: very important thing here. We talked about this off-air. I do think that sometimes, especially with the NBA trade machines, people forget that, one, sometimes players can decide where they go. Right. Just because the Grizzlies want Chris Paul, or maybe rumors want Chris Paul, got a home in Chris L.A.
1: Paul. The Clippers could use his services. The Lakers could Why use would his Chris services. Paul the Celtics come to Memphis. could use his services. I just, I just and, don't and, understand. He he's he wants to win a championship. He's thirty-eight, and I, I'm not saying he couldn't do. Of course, you can do that in Memphis. I think, especially with what they have here and and what they could build into. But I, I think he's looking for more of a short-term situation. I don't like the fit, and what you'd have to do to go get him. Just it doesn't jive with what the. What the Grizzlies need to be doing at this moment. So I, I've seen it out there. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't no. Make sense to
2: me. And especially with the reports that he might want to go back to Phoenix. But it seems like to me he is going to either stay on the West Coast, he's gonna to go to Boston, or he's gonna to go to Houston. Those would be those would be my guesses. Right now, if you made me pick, I would say it's going to be the Lakers, the Suns, Boston, I guess maybe Miami. Or yeah. Houston, those would be the teams the,
1: that I say. I, I, the Celtics fit really is an intriguing. It is. It's if very because Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, there. If you can get him for a decent deal, uh, once those contracts hit, I mean, I because they're going to pay Jalen Brown this off season, They've been in need of a of a sort of table setter in a big way, and Marcus Smart clearly hasn't been that guy. I feel like CP3 setting up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would be phenomenal, but. He would help Joe Bazoula. Yeah. It would. But we'll we'll sit and wait and watch uh this whole thing unfold. But Chris Haynes left him for dead, by the way, on that first on that first report. Yes. Yeah, He's so, being waived. Uh, I know it sounds like they just met with the uh the front office and they're they're exploring options to go forward.
2: Someone said that it was as if he read a text and got really excited when he saw Chris Paul and waved in like the same sentence and he didn't read it fully and then he sent out the tweet and then had to backtrack a little bit. But I understand it. It's a really, it is an exciting story. It's an interesting story because there are so many sliding doors here with what could potentially happen with there. Because, I mean, I also saw that there was another player rumored, I think it I can't remember who it was. It may have been Kyrie was rumored maybe with the Suns now, too. Like, all of that going on, it's going to be fascinating to see. But oh, wait, or was it Harden? It may have been Harden. Harden, I, Harden I think, the think it was Harden, was the, yeah. was
1: the rumor. I was, I was confused there for a second. But yeah. Harden to the, the Suns, still, I think that's a – It's a, a, bit, of a Hill, bit of a pipe dream. Uphill climb to go make that happen. Now, um, all of these news notes and storylines with Chris Paul and Kyrie are kind of distracting from actually what's going on on the floor right now where the Nuggets – Uh, get a big win, get a big win in game three. Um, I saw this coming, uh, no question about it. And to see that first half, it was so clear to me that the Nuggets have really hit their stride. Obviously, you get a a, a win on the road, you're back into your home court, you flip home court back to you. But seeing Jamal Murray in that first half, that 20 ball he had, and the heat, I told you this. Off air, the Heat were harassing the entire first half. Jamal Murray, for a while, it was hard for him to get to his game, but then he just started putting up these ridiculous shots. And when he, when he gets hot, when he gets streaky, everything goes in. And he silenced that crowd a million separate times. And Jokic and Murray, that, the two-man wrecking crew, first two ever, first time ever that two teammates have ever gotten a 30-point triple-double in the same night. And – The first half, again, had to be depressing for the Heat. They did everything they could. Defensive effort was through the roof. They got Jokic to actually miss some shots. He only shot about 50% from the field instead of 60 to 70. Um, They limited the role players in that first half. But still, Jamal Murray was making foolish looks, and they went into half the Heat down five, even, in my opinion, having played good basketball. That's a frustrating feeling.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, the Heat played probably the best defense they have so far in the NBA Finals in that first half of Game 1. The first half really made it seem like it was going to be a defensive rock fight because, like you said, Jokic was actually showing up on the defensive end. The, the Nuggets were really clamping down on on the Heat, and the Heat were doing the same thing to the Nuggets, and it kind of turned into, like, your two best guys versus our two best guys.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it, it did. But the, the two best guys for the Heat just it gets... gets tricky it gets very tricky and i have to say they did this in the laker series as well the talking points were always there but figuring jokic out and i'm put air quotes on that figuring jokic out it's a short term endeavor it does not last you know you thought for a second after watching game 2 that starting kevin love was the full time answer he had 10 rebounds he played really well and it was a switch up but also they did it in the laker series a lot of people uh, media members talking about the Lakers series and Rui being blanketed on Jokic and having AD as a roamer. That, that was figuring him out. But after all of the discussion of him being figured out in Game 2 and Spo having a good game plan, he has the first 30-20-10 game in Finals history. Unbelievable. This guy's ridiculous. This guy is insane. It, 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 he picks you apart wherever he is at on the floor. And you, you could try to hold him under the, that assist total. Again, they are 0-9 or 0 for their last nine when he has five or less assists, but that's not going to happen game to game. And I, I do think the Heat had some struggles last night in the fact that Gabe Vincent had foul trouble. That killed him and the Heat. They didn't have a table setter. He couldn't really get into a rhythm where, the way he did in game two, having 23 points. And then Struess. Max Strus, Gabe Vincent, and Duncan Robinson combined for 19 points when Gabe Vincent scored 23 himself in Game Two. And I hate being right; I really do at times. But when you attach yourself to so many certifiable role guys like the Heat have, uh, I mean, they have got gotten where they are because of certifiable undrafted role guys. Nights like last night, though, when you have that type of built, your, your roster's built that way, nights like last night are always possible. Those guys come down to earth very quickly. And, and when that pressure gets to them, it, it becomes a struggle. Now, I'm a big fan of Christian Brown.
2: I was about to say, the cruel irony of big, last night for the Heat is that one of the random roll guys for the Nuggets was just stabbing them over and over again. 15
1: four and one and then he had one steal. And he is a— He's a super smart basketball
2: player. Only took one three. That's what's impressive about it. He, didn't, he did all that without well, making a cutting, three. his
1: cutting, he makes himself available yeah. with his cuts, and he just gets to the rim and finishes, and he's got a, good, a fair amount of leaping ability, and on the defensive end, he can lock in. Like, he's a plus defender. Like, that's a guy that these last two games, you're starting to see him really come out of his shell. And Christian by the way, Braun, why, why, why didn't he just spell his name B-R-O-W-N? Uh, brown uh, brown Braun? I thought it was Braun this whole time. I think most people did. I, I, today's been a big everybody
2: figuring out how to say Christian Brown's name for yeah. sure including us. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really know <laughs> it's not like it's not like I'm a Denver Nuggets expert. It's just you know I've been a huge fan of them all season. I just I don't know if I've actually paid attention to how it was pronounced because you assume it would be it would be brawn, but it is it is yeah.
1: brown now I was thinking about this last night watching the game especially the way the second half went. There is a solution to neutralizing the Heat's offense, right? Like, there's a solution to run you run guys off the three-point line. They're going to have to put up a lot of three-pointers and make a lot of three-pointers to win games in this series. So there's a solution, I think, ultimately, to what the Heat are, are trying to deploy offensively. I don't think there's a solution for the Nuggets. There's not, there's not an easy solution. Uh, Jokic just makes so many decisions on the fly. The adjustability he has. Michael Malone's doing a good job of putting them in good positions. I don't think there's a full-time solution for the Nuggets, but if you run guys off the three-point line, um, if you you can test really well, uh, really close out well on the Heat, I feel like that's the solution to to making their offense just nasty. And that's what it was all year, really, for them. They were, again, the worst uh, from a points-per-game standpoint in the entire NBA during the regular season.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. It really seemed like that the Nuggets made it a point to run those guys off the three-point line, or at least make it difficult, because as we've seen in the game that the Heat won, they had a ton of open threes. They just, you know, that little handoff that they were doing with Jimmy and Bam, and Bam basically, or Jimmy running at the basket, and just throwing, kicking it out to the wide-open right. shooter. You could tell that they were trying to not allow that to happen over and over again. If I were the Heat, a worrisome stat for me from last night even even with losing the game here's a worrisome thing the nuggets only made five threes. yeah
1: it, it, it's kind of proven though at this point like he lost by
2: 15 and they only made the heat five. shooting
1: the heat shooting is just it's going to be up and down because you have a bunch of certifiable role guys that are undrafted free agents and sometimes uh, they shrink and Ooh. you 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 expect that but if they're shooting 31% from 3 they're not going to win ball games they have to be up around 40 between 40 and 50 to, to really challenge this Nuggets team. I fully believe that. Um, but if, if the Nuggets do what they did last night, run them off the three-point line contest really well, it's going to be a struggle consistently. Um, for the Heat, though, now you have a two-day layoff instead of a three-day layoff uh, before game four and it feels like they're more roughed up than the nuggets too. That's a big oh, issue. Absolutely, Tyler Hero's hurt and then Jimmy Butler it still doesn't quite look himself with that ankle. Well, and Kyle Lowry's hurt too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Kyle Lowry's deal- dealing with injury. So, yeah, that's that's one thing is we've been kind of I think I think the two of us got on the Jimmy Butler thing a little bit earlier than some others because we just kind of noticed that his play since he turned that ankle just wasn't the same and He's putting an effort. It's not like he's not giving hundred and fifty percent because he is. He's Jimmy Butler. He's out there. He's doing everything he possibly can. And last night, he you know he had a good game last night. Like the first half was really
1: good. Second half, like, he slowed down. He, drastically. Could, but
2: and that's what we've been seeing is that right. He just he's having to kind of pick his moments. It's it's reminiscent of what LeBron's kind of had to do throughout this playoff series to where he can't do it all four quarters. He's having to do it like one or two quarters because in game two when they won, he was really good in the fourth quarter, but he wasn't very good the first three. So it's like he can only give you a quarter or two right now in the playoffs. he needs
1: to be the focal point offensively. He needs to get get to those spots in the mid range and knock knock shots down. He's got to get to the rim. He's got to get to the free throw line because night to night, that shooting just is not going to stay up around 40% every single night. And the only way they're going to win – Ball games, if if they're shooting thirty one percent from the three point line, is Jimmy Butler being ridiculous? He's he, he has to go nuclear for them to keep up offensively with this Nuggets team if if the three point if the three pointers aren't falling.
2: It's kind of odd how they have in a weird way turned into what the Celtics were last right. series against them, where it's going to essentially come down to did they make their threes? That's kind of it right now for the Heat. They need to the only equalizer that hot for them. streak. It is. It's the only one. It's because, you know, we've been saying it going into the finals and I think that game two, some people tried to go away from it, but the Nuggets are clearly the most talented team left right now. Like they are the most talented team you can make. There's not really an argument you can make, I think, for the Heat and trying to act like these are two underdog teams. is just silly. This is a one seed versus an eight seed and, and we see flashes of it like that second half last night. You saw one seed playing an eight seed. Yep. And it's not that the Heat aren't putting in effort. It's not that the Heat don't deserve to be here. Like, you, like you've been saying, they won 12 games. They're supposed to be in this. But yeah. eventually, the talent is going to separate the two teams. And I think that's what we saw last night, especially when it becomes your two best against my two best. And if one of your two best is a two-time MVP yep. and p- potential best player in the world, guess who's going to win that battle?
1: Yeah. No qu- and also, the Heat last night, I think the Nuggets can keep going back into the well and and scoring in the paint well, right it, because the heat just aren't big enough is, they can't they can't they can't bang that way that the nuggets can yeah, they the, got they got absolutely destroyed under the basket i think there was it was 60 plus points in the paint for for the nuggets uh, the heat you know I, I they just don't have enough on the defensive end to really Body up with the Aaron Gordons, the Jokic's of the world. Jamal Murray has does a good job of, of getting to the rim once sort of Jokic frees him up with a little bit of space, him getting downhill. It's just the Nuggets are the bigger, stronger, more talented team, and you, that's we've been we've been banging that drum this entire time.
2: The the size advantage was really. Apparent last night. Yeah, you know, even with the. I guy mean, like, Eric
1: Spolster said as much. He said we got we got our ass kicked in the paint.
2: Yeah, even a guy like Aaron Gordon. You know, he only had 11 last night, but he had 11 and 10, and he was so good defensively. Yeah, Aaron Gordon has been such a great defensive piece for this team. He's playing within himself on the offensive end. Now, let me ask you this: It was kind of a big Bruce Brown legacy moment last night, a little bit. He got the call instead of Michael Porter Jr. What did you think about him essentially benching MPJ? I thought it was a good decision.
1: Uh, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. The last two games has just been miserable, and he's just <laughs> he's like he's uncomfortable. He's throwing up shots and just praying they fall at this moment. I like. I, there comes a point, especially in this type, of, you know, you're in the NBA Finals. If a guy's losing confidence, you cannot. You cannot keep running him out there and expecting different results. Because the ball,
2: especially with the Nuggets, because you don't need the ball to freeze. The, the right. one thing about their offense is it's so motion-oriented. Whenever they would throw it to MPJ, he would freeze, because you could see that he's thinking. When you can yeah. tell that a guy's thinking in the finals, you got to get him out. And yeah. that's why Bruce Brown was only one for five, but he was running around everywhere, and he was scrappy on the defensive end, and he got things done, you know?
1: Yeah, Bruce, I it's, I, I love Bruce. The stat line wasn't crazy but he did have three blocks and him on the defensive end he's just so underrated there like he's so good he's about to get paid man he's well didn't he have a two-year deal here with the nuggets he's a free agent he's a free agent going into this year Mm -hmm. okay i thought he had a two-year 13 million dollar deal so it was just under seven a year
3: i think you you may need to
1: check on that but i think he's still on team control for another year bruce brown but it, once he once he gets out of team control, he's going to be so wanted. And after the Nets days, there's a lot of people that sort of doubted. Oh, what it's he could a player promote. option, player option, it's a player option. And ooh, he'd, come on! I mean, he's going to get he get unless more. He, unless he know. I mean, he's he would only be getting. He's six a point vet. He's a vet. He's been in the game. If he wins a championship this year, you wonder how he's going to if he's going to do the team a favor for getting him up. But uh, we'll see. He can get some money. Mm,
2: I don't think so. I think he's going to go get some more money because he can. Yeah. He's, gonna, he's
1: worth more than 6.8 right now. Yep. Now, where do you stand on Tyler Hero and him still not being cleared? Do you think The more I think about it, I'm not sure he's the ticket for the Heat. I don't know if he's from the – yes, it's nice to have someone who can create off the dribble, but he's small, not much defensively. He's, you, 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 if, if Tyler Hero comes back, you're playing smaller lineups. He's higher usage – um, so other guys aren't necessarily going to get their shots. But I, I'm not sure for him, one, he'll be ready to play extended minutes, and two, I'm not sure his scoring punch would add that much. They still have to knock down three balls if they want any chance of winning games in the series. Especially if he still has swelling and pain in that hand, like he has talked about. And
2: he has said in interviews that he's worried about coming in and messing up the rhythm of what of the, this team, you know, because they've been playing a lot of basketball without him, a lot of winning basketball yep. without him. so. Throwing him into the mix and taking the minutes away from the guys that have had these Cinderella moments,
1: it takes away the possibility of that happening again. Tyler and, Hero takes away shots from Gabe Vincent, from Caleb Martin, from guys that have got uh, Duncan uh, Robinson, from Max Struess, and I, those guys have gotten you here. Yeah, I think the biggest reason, though, is something that you
2: nailed. It's on the defensive end. Someone with a hand injury having to play him against either Jamal Murray or the Wings of the Nuggets, who are very good, and bigger guys, it seems like a breaking case of emergency type of deal. I don't know. I
1: just It's an overwhelming negative, though, on the defensive end. Yeah. Like, that's the problem with bringing Tyler Hero and trying to expect him to play the role he did during the regular
2: season. If they go down 3-1, I could see them throwing him in there just to see what happened, yeah. you know, just to see. But I don't think it would happen
1: next game. Yeah, but he's still not cleared, so Game 4 is looking pretty doubtful for him. Yeah, especially
2: with such a quick turnaround,
1: yeah. or a quicker turnaround. Yeah. Now, um, Adam Silver, has, he keeps speaking up on Ja and <laughs> Ja's situation. Um, he's done it in uh, multiple pregame shows, the opening presser before the NBA Finals, but he also joined, and I think this was more intrusive, and he, and he showed his thoughts a whole lot more, his, his real thoughts. He was on with Dan Patrick today. So we're going to play some sound on the other side. We're going to pause. We're going to play. And then we'll just sort of talk about what Adam Silver is saying. What is the messaging behind what he is saying to Dan Patrick? That's on the other side, Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM, ESPN to me. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 929 FM ESPN. Last quick uh note on the NBA Finals. We had a Udonis Haslam check-in last night. <laughs> It's honestly jarring that he still has a uh, uniform under his sweats. It was very funny. Like, very so, funny tweet. It blows yeah. me away like he doesn't usually, he doesn't need a uniform. He really doesn't. Honestly, at this point it feels like a, you know, in baseball you have the managers still wear the uniform. That's what it feels like for Udonis Haslam. And hey, that jumper he put up.
2: Is there Was broke. Is there any bigger way for a team to signal that they're throwing in the towel than putting in Udonis Haslam?
1: No, but he had to play some minutes in this finals, right? He had to. Did he? It's his last year. Sure, give him a couple minutes. Yeah, not not in not in actual crucial moments.
2: I did. But, I did like though. My favorite thing on the statute is it says zero minutes, one shot. <laughs> the, the,
1: the 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 Heat fans were definitely they hyped his head up to take that I jumper. Mean, he's a legend down jumper. there. He's a legend down there. Man, he had a little too much mustard on that jumper, though. He was ready. That was, that was brutal. Man. That was that was a full year of waiting in one jumper. <laughs> now. On the Adam Silver jaw front, Adam Silver keeps speaking up on this. He won't stop talking about it. No, he will not. And like his original conversation before the NBA Finals when he was at his press the first time he spoke up on it, um, he try, I tried to take him at his word that he wants to not distract from the NBA Finals. At this point, I think he's doing this all on purpose. I, I, I think the amount he's talked about jaw – and his situation, he's, the headlines are staying in there. I think it's measured more than more than he uh, led us to believe.
2: Listen, yes, it's true that the NBA commissioner does a media tour during the NBA finals. That right. is true. That I get it. Absolutely true. He is also the NBA commissioner, and I am, if I had to guess, there are topics that he says that he will talk about versus topics he says that he will not talk about. Right. He, these are prepared interviews. Yes. It's not like he's going into these Dan, Adlet, like, he, Dan Patrick and street.
1: him, they had a conversation. We'll get to the sound. They had a conversation about what they were going to get into with, with Ja before he actually joined the show. And, you know, Zion with all that stuff yesterday. Certainly, yeah. the Jaws The Ja story is obviously a negative one. But at the same time, there's so many people interested in it. And it, it, it'll run the NBA headlines. It feels like it's a lot more measured, though. Yeah. It feels, feels like Adam Silver is really he's he's completely okay with talking about it even alongside the NBA finals. It- but it, it it is not what he originally said. This is not we're we're trying to take uh we're trying to t- push this down the road so we so we don't take any uh headlines from the NBA finals. He's taking Headlines from the NBA finals.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- there's no other way to say it. It's very easy for him just to say no comment or I'll talk about Ja after the finals if he really didn't want it to be a distraction. You know, I do think that there is a small element of the Zion story is not very family friendly if you want to talk about that. And I don't think he wants that leading <laughs> headlines during the NBA finals.
1: Yeah, I don't think he so, does.
2: So I do think it was a bit calculated, the stuff that he said yesterday and then going on Dan Patrick show today. And then all of a sudden, the John ja Rant story is back to being. The, high, like yep. it, the number one story people are talking about like that. So I do think it's a little bit calculated. I do think that there may have also been some concerns about the ratings, which have turned out to not really be true because, you know, we got to give people more credit. People love good basketball, and this is great basketball
1: that we're watching right we're now. We're still going to have lower ratings, though, when it's all Yeah, 10, but, though. like,
2: I don't know. They've, they've still been pretty good. They haven't been bad. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, it's fine. It's the NBA Finals. You're going to have some
2: decent but, numbers. To your but... point, though, he's definitely trying to keep the NBA in the news cycle. Yes. So, uh, you know. It's just, it's so easy to not make this a distraction. All I have to say is no comment.
1: Yeah, now, he's been on a lot of uh, the pregame shows with NBA Countdown. He's talking with Malika Andrews. He he obviously had his presser before the NBA Finals. But today, when he was talking with Dan Patrick, I thought some of the more enlightening discussion points that really show us where he's at. Um, And I'm going to get back to this, but it feels like Adam Silver is prioritizing help for Ja over any punitive action. Now, I wanna play this sound, we'll, we'll sort of pause and, and talk about it as it goes along, but let's go ahead and get this thing started. This was this was Adam Silver on the Dan Patrick Show today.
0: Is the John ja Morant investigation over? We're just waiting for the finals to be over to announce the decision?
3: The latter, we are waiting for the finals to be over. Um, I'm aware, of course, of these reports on social media about you know whether the gun was in fact a gun, uh, and so we haven't completely wrapped it up. Does that we, matter, honest, Commissioner, if that's a toy gun? You know, it's it, it's interesting. It, it's the very issue is for JA certainly in the first incident was treating a gun as a toy. I mean, that's what we're talking about, and that's what I think the danger is to society taking a gun. Live streaming it, uh, you know, this is, without getting into gun issues in terms of the propriety of owning guns and the use of guns, I think everyone agrees that gun safety is critically important and that guns aren't toys. So it,
1: yeah, it's very clear why Ja is being talked about in this, in this, in this way, right? It's not that he. Uh, People will talk about him not breaking a law, but at the same time, it's it's conduct detrimental to the NBA, and that's where Adam Silver is standing on this. Um, but let's keep playing that sound because uh, here in a second, he'll talk about what we have been discussing for a while. How disappointed is he in John Morant considering this is the second
3: offense? It's it, it's something that I'm thinking a lot about because, again, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the investigation, but in fact, if you are live-streaming something that to the world looks exactly like a gun and, and in, in a frankly reckless manner, should it matter whether or not it's a real gun? I mean, I, you know, I, I will say at the end of the day, I, in terms of doing my job, everything that's presented to us is relevant. Past conduct is relevant. Um, the, the circumstances in which you're, you're doing whatever the act is becomes relevant. And in this case, you know, obviously, we're, we're going to take into account whatever's presented to us.
0: When we heard from you after what happened with Jaw this second time around, it's almost like there was disappointment. Like you were let down by Jaw Moran. Is that a fair assessment?
3: It, it is. I, and, and Joe Dumars, who now runs basketball operations to the league, and I have talked a lot about it because we were both in the meeting with him. Um, the head of the Players Association, Tamika Trimalio, was in the meeting with us. And just honestly, my sense was he was very sincere in how contrite he was, in how serious he was taking the issue. Again, now talking about the first incident where there's no fact in dispute. He was holding a gun, you know, inebriated in a club, waving it, live streaming it. So, no, that's the the first go round. And I I know Ja a bit. I I had known him, he's a star in our league. And the sense was he came in, he fully owned it, was saying I made a terrible mistake, I am learned from the mistake. And so then to get the report and then to see online that in fact, he was then live streaming a gun, certainly looks like a gun, a Glock, you know, in, in a kind of reckless manner. Sure, you know, I was incredibly disappointed.
1: Yeah, it confirms our beliefs right but this is really where it stops in this interview like it, it, when it comes to the tone that adam silver has used up to this point we we thought that tone and that body language was going to lead to this massive suspension right but he, he is he is confirming that he is he's damn disappointed in the way josh conducted himself uh in, in you know seeing what josh said to him it's got to be a somewhat of a slap in the face to to that first meeting to that first discussion he had with Adam Silver, absolutely. We've been saying it since his first interview when he did it with
2: Malika Andrews about how it really felt like a disappointed parent talking about it. A did kid. that's what it came off as, and that's why I never really understood people that thought he was going to bring the hammer because it did always feel like he had some sympathy in there that he was like, "We got this kid needs some help." Like that's always kind of yeah. the tone I was getting from Adam Silver here, and you know, I do want to credit Anthony Sane on this. It's that he's been saying that it has been feeling like that. This has been Adam Silver preparing people for a lesser suspension because he doesn't want to bring some
1: massive hammer down and, on this kid. And the thing is, if you just look at the way the NBA is is, is shaped right now, with LeBron stepping out, with uh, you know KD being toward the back end of his career, all these superstars, Ja is that next superstar in line. Having Ja on the floor is in the best interest of the NBA. So I don't think that 60-game suspension, having Ja off the floor, is anything that Adam Silver is interested in. Now, he did say he was disappointed, but from, from here on, in this interview, you'll hear it, um, it's, he's sort of stepping back um, from what we thought about how long the suspension would be. I, I think a lot of people thought it originally it would really um, be substantial. But Adam Silver, throughout the rest of this interview, seems like he's stepping back from that thought process.
0: What would be a big suspension?
3: I'm not going to get into precise number of games, but um, I I will only say in response to people who say eight wasn't enough the first time around, it felt like a pretty severe punishment at the time and an eight game uh, suspension, of course, without pay. Um, And so I I will say, you know, and, and I said this before, in terms of, impacting his behavior with 12 games have made a difference the first time 15 games i really don't know i also the older i get i i realized that i can't control other people and that he has to own his own conduct and regardless of the number of games he had been suspended for first time around he owns this not me and he has to take responsibility for it and part of this you know it's it's fine for somebody to come in and take responsibility responsibility for their action. And I'll even give him the benefit of the doubt that he was sincere. He's now made this mistake again. And I think one of the things we even talked about then is nobody's naive in the league office, certainly not Joe Dumars, been at this a long time, was you know, we'll see your as you go back out into the world, how you choose to comport yourself. And and so now here we are again, um, dealing with an issue around Ja. And I, I also it's important to point out that if this is not about just discipline and then we'll just cross our fingers and then hope there's not a third time i recognize that he needs um some assistance you know from the league office his union uh his team um he's no doubt he's a remarkable player and 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 i think he's a very engaging young man it's one of the reasons he has this enormous following on social media but it's a two-edged sword and he has to own that and take responsibility for it. And my, my hope is that wherever we come out in terms of discipline, that there's a, a, a an acceptance that we need to find ways to engage with each other going forward to, to, so he can change the trajectory he's now on, which is not a positive
1: one. And I, what I see there, what I see there is regardless of the number of games Adam Silver's looking for responsibility to be taken, right? Like, he made it very clear he needs some assistance more than he actually needs any suspension. I mean, ultimately, with hearing him talk about eight games and that sort of suspension he got for the first uh, incident in Denver, he says eight games felt like a lot to him. So I think at this point, you're you're hearing Adam Silver sort of tread a little more lightly about, punitive action, and he's he's more worried about the assistance behind closed doors that, that Ja is getting. Is his family helping him along the way? Are the Grizzlies helping him along the way? Are the, are the people at the, the, the top of the NBA helping him along the way? It feels like that sound right there is different than anything we've heard from Adam Silver to this point. Yeah, you know,
2: our theory with that eight-game suspension was – that Silver was basically saying, listen, I need to punish you here a little bit, but I'm going to give you—this is on you. You can go fix this. I'm going to mm. give you a chance yeah. to fix this yourself without bringing anything massive towards you. And he was like—it felt like he truly believed that he could possibly do this. This time around, It this interview specifically, I get that sense a little bit again. It does feel like that he's like, I'm going to let you try to figure this out yourself again— I'm going to bring a little bit bigger punishment this time. You're going to feel it a little bit more, but this is still on you. Yep. And that's why it feels like if this happens a third time, that's when the hammer's yes, coming. Yes, for sure. And that's sure. what it felt like he laid out in this interview because he is being very, very careful if with If there's reports. certain
1: like checklist items, he's got to go to right. another rehab stint or whatever it was uh, after that, uh, during the eight-game suspension. The counseling. The counseling. I shouldn't say rehab stint. But the, the, the counseling. There's going to be a checklist here is what it feels like, even more so than, than punitive action. Because I, punishing Ja for an extended period of time, having him away from the floor, again, is not in the NBA's best interest. Now, let's keep playing it. And uh, I, I think the, Dan Patrick did a good job of trying to highlight extra time away from the floor. And is that a good thing? Or with all that free time, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And Adam Silver uh, responded
0: wondered about that, Commissioner, that I was worried about him over the summer. Now we've had this second incident. And also, if you suspend somebody for 20 or 30 or 40 games, what happens to that person when they have all that free time and you could be adding to the, the issue with John Morant, not subtracting? Precisely,
3: yeah, precisely, and I'm worried about that too. And so, again, putting aside the number of games, that um, we may be looking at I'd like to come up with a program and frankly working with him um, in which there is a, a joint sense a, a mutual commitment that um, we need to put together a program um, not something that's you know a couple of sessions and I'm back but but something that um, where he will be able to use time, away from the game. Look, he's suspended right now. I mean he's away. He I mean it's it's the off season, but he's suspended from team activities and 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 there I wanna find a way where, frankly, you know, he's not being kicked to the curb, but basketball will take a back seat. And first and foremost, we're gonna focus on him as a young man developing as as a better person as someone who's more responsible, particularly when it comes to guns. I mean this is a really serious issue.
1: There you have it. I mean, that's the end of the sound there. That's all he gave to Dan Patrick on the jaw front. But if you read through it, the extended suspension and having all that free time, Adam Silver's worried about that. He really said, I am worried about this going forward if he's away from the floor. All that free time he had in the summer, he didn't use it all that well. Um, And putting together a program is, I think, the wording he used in there. I, I feel like, again, over everything else, Adam Silver and the NBA are prioritizing helping Ja over punishing him. Will the punishment come? Will it be 17 to 20 games, 15 to 25? Whatever the hell the guess is, I think they're going to give him some type of punishment. But at the same time, helping his surroundings is more important than anything else when it comes to a punitive measure. Right. It certainly feels
2: like that they are still in the we need to help this kid out more than punish him mindset right now. And I do appreciate that from Adam silver. That is, you know, I think that's something that we were hoping was going to be the mindset. And it appears that that's what it is. I do want to ask you this though, because based off what he said, Do you think it's possible that he is taking into consideration some time served here already? Or do you think he's already maybe given Ja the checklist or some of the things he needs to do, even though it hasn't been announced yet? Do you think that Ja may already know, like, okay, this this, this may be some of the things they want, including, you know, severing ties to people on social media, cleaning up his social media? That feels like it may have been something like, hey— You know, we haven't announced what your suspension is yet. We may not tell you what it fully is yet, but here are some things that you can go ahead and start
1: doing. I would imagine the discussion has already happened between Jaws' people and the NBA um, because it's very clear there's going to be a program set up for him to try. He's got to pass through. You know, the the 10 days um, at counseling, I – it's, it's fair to, you know, the, the conversations we were having at that moment is can 10 days of counseling really rid you of all this evil? And, you know, you see that that's probably not the case. Um, but I'd imagine there's going to be more involved. He's probably going to have to talk to uh, certain officials in the NBA, meet up with them constantly, go to more counseling. But it's more about helping him and prioritizing that and, and not suspending him for this long period of time. The NBA, Adam Silver, know what's in their best interest, and that's John Morant being on the floor. Ultimately, that's what I'm going to leave it at. We we will talk with Jeff Calkins here, though, relatively soon. T-minus about seven minutes. We'll talk about the Jaw situation, uh, the Big 12 visiting Memphis, among other things. That's next. Gabe Kuncho, 92.9 FM, ESPN.